This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the internet and radio ministry of the Christian Crusaders on this Epiphany Sunday. Kings. How much do we know about them in the Bible? Let's talk more about them and how they relate to us in our message today, Jesus Revealed. Behold your King. It's time to take a closer look at the gift God gave us at first Christmas. I hope you'll stay with us as we begin a new series entitled, Jesus Revealed. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, on this day, you revealed your Son to the nations by the leading of a star. Lead us now through your word to the Christ child and help us to see him for who he really is. Amen.
Our reading for today is from Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search for the child, and when you found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at his rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. And then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own home country by another road.
Dear friends, when Julie and I got married, I thought I knew just about everything there was to know about her. Boy, nothing could be further from the truth. Forty-two years later, I'm still having my eyes open to new, wondrous things about Julie. And I am more and more convinced that I am a truly blessed husband. In the same way, in my relationship with Jesus Christ, the longer I follow him, I'm finding that he still has plenty of things about himself to reveal to me. I find them especially in God's Word. There are all sorts of epiphanies about Jesus that await us in our Bibles. That's our special quest these next few weeks, which the church calls a season of epiphany. Now that Christmas is come and gone, it's time to take a closer look at the central character of Christmas, Jesus himself. Who is he? What does his arrival have to do with me? Our series for the next few weeks is called Jesus Revealed, and we're going to get to know Jesus better. Our first insight about him for today is found in Matthew 2. After the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, perhaps several months later, some strangers, foreigners actually, rode into Jerusalem, the capital city of Judea, with their entourage. And they caused quite a bit of a stir among the locals who learned that these men who had come from the east, I imagine something like Persia or modern-day Iraq, they were magi, wise men who studied the stars and the movements of the planets. They said they had seen something in the sky that caused them to make this very long trip to Jerusalem. They thought something big had happened according to one particular star. They were sure that a king had been born, the king of the Jews. They asked this question, Where is the child that has been born king of the Jews? For we have observed his star at its rising and have come to pay homage to him. They had probably, after seeing that star, looked up some of the ancient Jewish writings and found a text about a special star, a prophecy of sort. In Numbers 24, a star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel. Their question caught the people by surprise. No one knew of any birth of a king. Herod was the only king they knew, and that he had been in power for quite some time. Well, soon the news of these wise men and their questions got to King Herod. He was troubled, to say the least. A new threat to his throne had arrived, perhaps. Some competition. Would there be a rebellion, an overthrow? And, of course, if Herod ain't happy, no one's happy. So the whole city was troubled right along with Herod, because this could mean trouble for them. What action would Herod take against the citizenry, if he thought there was a plot to overthrow him. Everyone knew how paranoid and cruel and violent Herod could be. Herod called together the local religious experts, the priests and the scribes, and asked them where the promised Christ of Israel was to be born. They said, well, according to God's word, in Micah, the answer to your question is Bethlehem, only about five miles down the road. That's the city of 
King David, his birthplace. Herod passed this information along to the wise men and cunningly asked when exactly they had seen the star rise so he'd know how old this child might be by now. And he asked them also to return to him and let him know where the child was so that he too could pay homage to this king. Of course, we know that's not what he had in mind. He was already plotting to eliminate this threat. Later on, he'll go in and have all the two-year-olds and under boys killed in Bethlehem. Well, when these wise men went on their way with this information, when they stepped on the road towards Bethlehem, the star reappeared and directed them right to the place where Jesus was. And when they saw the child, they knelt before him and paid him homage. They bowed in reverent uh, obeisance to this king. And then they gave him gifts, gifts that were fit for a king. So what is the main thing being revealed to us about Jesus in this story? He's royalty. He's a king. Their worship and splendid gifts are a signal that in Jesus, we see a kingship beyond all kingships, just as promised in ancient scripture for the last times. This little child that was born in a stable is the king. We find that he's the king of Israel. As the Christmas carol says, Noel, Noel, born is the king of Israel. He's the anointed one, the Christ, the one that they had been longing for, waiting for, hoping and praying for, the Messiah from David's lineage who would rescue them and rule over them. The wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. We learn that he's also king of the nations. All the nations. These men who came to pay homage were outsiders, foreigners, non-Jews, worshiping him as a divine king. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah talked of the day that would arrive like this. The king was described as a light, and all, all the nations and kings of the nations would come to him and give him gifts and pay homage to him. We see that he's the shepherd king, don't we, according to Micah 5, 2, that was quoted. Born in Bethlehem, the birthplace of the first shepherd king, David, is now the birthplace of the last shepherd king, Jesus, the one that they had been longing for. Later, he will declare that he's the good shepherd who will lay down his life for the sheep, for his people, and he will allow himself to be nailed to a cross to rescue us from humankind's greatest problem, sin, and its consequences, death. Finally, he's the eternal king, isn't he? Note that there are two kings in this story, Herod and Jesus. Later on in the same chapter, Herod dies. Herod is entombed somewhere. 
But the babe of Bethlehem is alive and well, isn't he? He's resurrected, seated at the right hand of God with all power and authority over this whole universe. He's enthroned as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and he's coming again in majesty and glory and power to claim this world once and for all, and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. You have a king. May I ask you a question? Is he your king? What are you doing with this king? Over the centuries, attitudes towards this king have been divided, just like in our story for today, which gives us a foretaste of the future to come as people respond to Jesus, the king. Some have rejected him, like Herod did. Herod was threatened by him. I don't want anyone taking over, Herod thought to himself. Likewise, don't we have a little Herod in each one of us? I don't want anyone telling me how to run my life. I want to be on the throne. I want control. I want to run my own life, be the captain of my own destiny. Our hearts are naturally that way, ever since the sin in the Garden of Eden. We want to be our own gods. And so we're hostile towards God. Some are indifferent towards this king, like the priests and scribes in our story for today. They didn't bother to make the five-mile trip down the road to see Messiah. Can you believe it? Was it indifference? Was it unbelief that kept them at home? doing the same old thing, basically ignoring what they had heard, they decided to just hang on to their familiar religion and ways. But many treat him as their king. Do you? They kneel before him. They submit to him. They yield control of their lives to his authority. They declare their willingness to not only trust him with their lives, but also serve and obey him. They declare their allegiance to him and loyalty. His word carries weight in their lives. What the king says is truth. What the king says goes for me, they say. For instance, Paul in his New Testament letters would sometimes say of himself, Paul, a servant of Jesus the Christ, the King. Martin Luther, in the second article of his small catechism, writes about Jesus, He has done all this, going to the cross and rising again, in order that I may belong to him, live under him in his kingdom, and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. We submit, and people struggle with the thought of submission to anyone, but even to him, giving him absolute sway, 
and control over life. Asking, can I really trust him with my life? I'm afraid he'll wreck it. I am doing okay without him. Can be on my board of directors, but he's just one vote among many. That won't hurt. But give him control. Obey him unquestioningly. I don't know. And my response to those that say or think something like that is, look at the cross with the Savior upon it, your King. See his love for you. Can't you trust him that would do something like that for you? Treating him as king, they not only uh, submit to him, they, they give Christ their best. They give gifts fit for a king like those wise men did. Their assets, their hands and feet, their voice, their skills and talents and energies, all for his purposes. These gifts are given not out of an obligation, but out of love and gratitude for all he's done for them at the cross and grave and, and even beyond that, changing their lives for the better as they walk with him. They live by the verse, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord Jesus, not for men. I came across an interesting illustration of this in a story that was shared by a Christian educator, Howard Hendricks, a few years ago, as he shared a flying experience he had. He was sitting in a plane that was delayed for takeoff, and after a long wait, the passengers became more and more irritated. Hendricks noticed how gracious one of the flight attendants was as she spoke with them. After the plane finally took off, he told the flight attendant how amazed he was at her poise and self-control and said he wanted to write a letter of commendation for her to the airline. The stewardess replied that she didn't work for the airline company, but for Jesus Christ. She said that just before going to work, she and her husband prayed together that she would be a good representative of Christ. There's an example of someone giving their best to the king. And so our good news for today is simply this. You have a king in Jesus Christ. Treat him as your king. Bow before him. Trust him with your life. Live under him in his kingdom, serving and obeying him. Give him your very best, not out of obligation, but out of love for the king who first loved you. Amen.
You have been worshiping with the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message about wise men seeking the Messiah has inspired you to also seek Him as you yield control of your life to Him. Trust, serve, obey, and submit to Him as your King. Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit ministry supported entirely by the gifts of our listening audience. A memorial gift or honorarium to this ministry is a meaningful way to remember a loved one on their birthday or some other occasion. Address your gifts to Remembrance to Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. Our toll-free telephone number is 1-888-MY-FAITH or 1-888-693-2484. In the Cedar Falls, Waterloo, Iowa area, dial 277-0924. We thank each of our listeners who support Christian Crusaders with their gifts and their prayers. Today's program is available to be read or heard anytime on the Internet. Visit us online at christiancrusaders.org. Like us on Facebook. Join our podcast audience. Check us out on Twitter. We're easily found anytime, night or day. We're happy you chose to worship with us this day, and we pray you will join us again next Sunday on this station. Conducting our service was our speaker, the Reverend Steve Kramer. Senior Pastor of Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Afton, Minnesota. Christian Crusaders is blessed to be in its 83rd year of continuous Sunday worship broadcasting.